This week, Ethereum is hit with by a double spend attack. The NSA to release reverse a reverse engineering tool for free. A Skype glitch is allowing users of Android to bypass authentication. Zerodium is offering a $2 million remote uh, iOS jailbreak bug bounty. And tens of thousands of hot tubs are exposed to hacking. Our CEO, Matt Alderman, will join us for expert commentary on container security. Stay tuned for all that and more on this episode of Hack Naked News. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show that brings you the security news each week. And despite popular belief, we do wear pants. It's Hack Naked News. Do you have a website, an external presence, employees, an office? Any of these things can be compromised and attacked. How are you defending your assets? Have you penetration tested your public assets? Start 2018 by taking a proactive approach to securing your vulnerable areas. Black Hills Information Security has been helping companies find their weaknesses since 2008. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com and see how they can help you sleep better at night. Welcome everyone to Hack Naked News. This is episode 202 for January 8th, 2018. I'm of course your host, Paul Asadorian. Quick announcement, the RSA Conference 2019 is upon us. It's the place to be for cybersecurity, data, innovation, and thought leadership. March 4th through the 8th in San Francisco, we'll come alive with the brightest minds in cyber security. So make sure you go to rsaconference.com forward slash securityweekly-us19. Register using the discount code 5U9WFD to receive $100 off a conference pass. And now... The security news for this week, Ethereum has been hit by a bug. That's right, a double spend attack. Also included in there is a 51% attack. You can go back to when Matt and I interviewed Sharon Goldberg and understand what a 51% attack is. We didn't have to wait long in 2019 to see one because Coinbase has revealed Monday, which was yesterday, that it identified a deep chain reorganization of Ethereum Classic blockchain for a 51% attack of the network, which means that someone can uh, is controlling the majority of the miners on the network over 50%, hence the 51% attack. They had modified the transaction history, and then after reorganizing the Ethereum blockchain, the attackers were able to do what's called a double spend attack. Um, recovering previously spent coins from rightful recipients and transferring them to new entities chosen by the attackers. That was kind of interesting. Again, Sharon Goldberg interview that Matt and I did uh, on Business Security Weekly last year has a lot more information on that. Linus Torvalds has um, announced a fix for the Linux kernel syscall tweak um, and shut it down, and he's going to yell. Or if anyone is uh, impacted by this, he says to yell, I guess. Well, Linus wasn't yelling. He still may. However, the article says 
Uh, as they revealed first over the weekend, a group of experts, including some of the researchers who discovered the Spectre family of chip flaws, worked out how to get operating system page caches to leak information from one application to another. Among other things, a successful exploit would allow malware or rogue logged-in users to swipe sensitive data from application sandboxes that they should not otherwise. For Linux environments, the issue has been assigned CVE 2019-5489. Uh, the bug database entry notes that remote attacks are possible, for example, by exploiting latency in accessing files via an Apache web server to potentially sniff private data. The SANS Incident Storm Center uh, Diary has a blog on, a two blog posts actually, on malicious JPEGs. Didier Stevens does a good job of describing this particular vulnerability and some samples that I'm assuming came from the wild. The malicious content of a JPEG image will not execute, he says, when the image is viewed with an image viewer or web browser. For script to, scripts to execute, this JPEG file has to be opened as an HTML application, or HTA, and mshta.exe is the application that does that. It ignores all the binary data of the JPEG image and parses the and executes the script between the script tags. Isn't Microsoft so nice making that whole process so easy for us attackers? Um, so uh, this can be uh, achieved by, of course, saving the JPEG uh, with the HTA extension and then launch it with Microsoft utilities such as mshta.exe within a URL as an argument that points to the JPEG image. The full blog post series is on the SANS Internet Storm Center website, isc.sans.org. The NSA is going to release reverse engineering tools for public use, dubbed Gahidra. Gidra? How are we saying this? I'm going with Gidra. Um, the tool will be demonstrated at the RSA conference in 2019 that will take place, of course, as we said, in Martian, San Francisco. The platform is said to include high-end capabilities and support for Windows, macOS, Linux, and other operating systems. Gidra provides users with the ability to disassemble executable files into code that they can then analyze. Such dis disassemblers are used, and there are many out there, uh, for example, in the analysis of malware and suspicious files. We had uh, Brandon from Virus Total, aka Chronicle, uh, talking about that, uh, which was really awesome. That's in our webcast archive. Um, the platform that is being released by the NSA um, was mentioned on WikiLeaks as part of the Vault 7 leaked, which provided information, of course, on a broad range of hacking tools used by U.S. Central Intelligence Agency uh, and were dated between 2013 and March 2017. A Skype glitch uh, is allowing you or attackers to bypass Android authentication. Now, it's not too alarming considering you, the attacker, has to physically possess your phone. However, the new vulnerability was found on Skype has been fixed and affected millions of Android devices around the world that use Skype. The researcher said in a LinkedIn post about the bug that the new updates, uh, you will find them from December 23rd, 2018, that will fix them. Um, he said an attacker would simply need to steal an Android device, place a Skype call to the said device, and answer that call. After that, without unlocking the screen, the bad actor would be able to preview an array of typically authenticated information through the Skype platform, including pictures and albums, contact details, browsers, and apps. 
Uh, we'll talk about this story in more detail in expert commentary. However, there is an article that container security is lagging, presenting an opportunity for attackers and an opportunity for the rest of us to get our house in order. According to Tripwire's State of Container Security Report, they surveyed 311 security professionals. Not that many. I like to see those up around 600 um, at companies with more than 100 employees. Um, it also found that 94% of respondents said they have container security concerns. I mean, why would you not have? I guess, I don't know. Anyway, 71% predicted that container security incidents would increase in the new year. I ag agree with these so far. We'll talk about it more coming up next. Tens, now the really important news this week, tens of thousands of hot, hot tubs are exposed to a hack. That's right. Now, I was really hoping that this hack would allow me to turn my hot tub into a time machine but instead, the article goes on to say that like most Internet of Things, devices, Wi-Fi modules act initially in AP mode. That's as an access point. The mobile app can connect as a client and control the hot tub. I guess you can turn the jets on and off and adjust the water temperature, which could be dangerous, quite frankly. Of course, the person can always get out. But anyway, uh, it can also configure the tub controller to be a client on your home network so that remote control from anywhere is possible through an API. Experts reported that tens of thousands of hot tubs are currently vulnerable to cyber attacks. Uh, they searched for vulnerable hot tub access point SSIDs on wiggle.net in their database and several uh, were located that were in AP mode. The unprotected devices can be easily hacked. Uh, the AP is open and no pre-shared key is used when it's in access point mode. The attacker could hack into hot tubs uh, or in the vicinity of where they're standing, essentially. Zerodium is offering $2 million for remote iOS jailbreak um, and a whole bunch more bounties. Um, it's a lot of dough. Zerodium uh, announced it's upping the payment. It was at $1.5 million. It's now $2 million for a remote jailbreak for iOS that does not require any user interaction. Uh, as I said previously, that was at $1.5 million. I don't know where they get the money from. That's a lot of money to be <laughs> to be spending on one exploit. Are they? St you could have well conspiracy theories. You know what? We'll save that for social media where I'll put my social, my uh, conspiracy theories or not. You should have your own because who pays the $2 million? They don't list it as having funding on Crunchbase or anything like that. Very curious. In any case, we're going to take a break. Come back with Matt Alderman to talk about container security. Stay tuned. Today's determined attackers easily bypass even the most advanced network defenses. Trying to ramp up staff to detect their back doors can cost thousands of dollars and take months, even years. With Active Countermeasures AI Hunter, we enable junior analysts to detect even the most advanced back doors in a matter of hours. Sign up for a demo and purchase our product today by visiting activecountermeasures.com forward slash PSW. Active Countermeasures. Make every analyst a hunter. Welcome back, everyone. If you're interested in quality over quantity and having meaningful conversations rather than just a badge scan, join us at Disney's Contemporary Resort April 1st through the 3rd for InfoSec World. Uh, there's even a discount for our listeners. If you use the registration code OS19-SECWEEK, they get you 15% off the main conference or World Pass. Matt, welcome to Hack Naked News. Thanks. It's my first time. New right. show format. It's awesome. 
So I before we get into it, Matt, like where do you think Zerodium's getting all this money to pay these bug bounties? I mean, is it coming so, from Apple? Is it coming in from a state nation state? Are they just reselling it? Did, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it could be multiple sources, right? I mean, you have maybe Apple's looking to see if iOS is vulnerable. It's one of the safest mobile operating systems out there. So maybe they're trying to see if there is an exploit that they need mm -hmm. to protect against. It could be a nation state or somebody that, you know, is willing to pay a lot of money to hack, you know, one of the largest uh, mobile platforms out right. there. It, the money's coming from somewhere. Somewhere, right. Um, I just don't know where. Interesting. Well, hopefully. Yeah, there's a few other ones on that list, by the way, that were interesting as well. Um, a lot of there's there's now you know uh, um, multiples up in the million dollar range yes. now. So you know it's it's getting crazy to to find some of these exploits. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, that's probably why they have to pay more, and and why Apple's bug bounties aren't as successful. I read some articles about that that people are basically outbidding Apple. Um, but we're going to talk about container security. Yeah, you know, again, this show format's a little uh, new to me, and I kind of looked through the articles, and I said, ooh, we should talk about container security. This Tripwire report came out. You know, this is something we've been talking about for a long time, Paul. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about container security back in 2015, end of 2015 into early 2016. You know, as we were laying out strategy for Tenable back then, I saw the shift away from the endpoint to the application and this new docker kind of phenomenon going on and how these applications were going to get built through containers and it put us at that time on a path to really start thinking about container security um and then obviously i went to layered insight and continued to do that but this this has been out there for a while so i'm not surprised by this survey at all um but i think there are some interesting points we should drill into a little bit sure yeah i think it's of course, something that's going to, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, I think the big challenge here is security. Most security professionals don't really understand the impact of containers and DevOps that it will have on their lives in a day-to-day -day, um, working relationship, right? If we think about traditional security, it's network, endpoint, perimeter, and application security has kind of been lagging behind for a while, right? We've, we've done static analysis. We've done dynamic analysis. We start to do some runtime application stuff. Containers upset that Apple cart, I think, pretty dramatically. And so for most professionals that came out of the networking world or the endpoint world, this application thing is completely different. And it requires a different way of thinking about applications and how to secure them. And I think that's what's going to create some very interesting challenges um, for, for security professionals in general. Yeah, it's, you know, I haven't really wrapped my brain around the networking topology, the segmentation between containers. Um, it was interesting in a, a demo briefing earlier, it was interesting how segmentation was in their remediation report and how much of an impact that can have. And how does that, I think one of the things you struggle with, right, is you can design a network. How do you design containers in their own network? And I use network like Lucy, like air quotes, network, right? It's really just about segmenting and creating rules between things. What can talk to what? Yeah, and I think the this is where the complexity comes in. And this is why I think it's so difficult for us to wrap our heads around. The, the concept of containers being this very lightweight component now allows you to construct an application in 
multiple what's called microservices. So I can have a microservice that only does authentication. I can have another microservice that only does reporting. I can have another microservice that does scanning or whatever. And because you can do that, you can allow an application architecture to expand pretty dramatically and be run not only in its own unique language, but also potentially in its own separate isolated area. And so what you've created is this, I guess the best way somebody's described it is, think about networks as being highly connected. Think of applications being hyper-connected in that an application isn't a single thing. It's actually multiple things. And think about all the the explosion of connections into all those new microservice components. And that makes that application architecture really complex. Um, so you can't take like a, it's hard to take a single solution and throw it at the problem because I might be running Java in one microservice. I could be running Python in another PHP. I can run any language now. And so the concept of runtime application self-protection was kind of on the right track. It was, how do I protect the application from the inside? But it was very language specific. Containers just allowed you to abstract not only kind of the underlying host and operating system, it also allowed you to abstract the programming language a little bit as well. And so that a single RASP vendor, for example, focused on a single language wasn't a single answer either. And so then you saw this emergence of all these kind of container security companies, Layered Insight being mm-hmm. one that was acquired by, by Qualys last year. Um, and, and that's where I think things get interesting is because people have to start thinking about how do I integrate these new container security um, uh, products into my application lifecycle and into my security operations. And the, the two uh, most popular answers when they ask what are the respondents' specific security concerns at 54% inadequate container security knowledge among teams, which we've established. It, it's one of those things where I think my personality, I have to you know mess with something and get you know dig into it hands-on. I think this is one of those technologies where if you're going to understand it even enough to start making security recommendations, you got to really dive into it and be all in, right? You got to mess around with it and you got to talk to people that are using it. Um, it, There's a learning curve there. And the other one was visibility into those containers, which again, as Matt's talking about, there are tools uh, to help you open source and commercial. The open source ones, Matt, seem to me to be very rudimentary. There seems to be a sharp contrast between open source and commercial in this space. There is. I mean, the most popular open source tool on the static analysis side is uh, Claire um, mm. from CoreOS. Yep. And Layered Insight actually used Claire as the scanner under under the covers. Uh, and the reason for that was they have a really good uh, initial library of what are the different binaries and then what vulnerabilities are associated with those binaries from a static analysis perspective. That was kind of the entry point into container security. That's why Tenable bought Flawcheck back in in 2016 was to get into the static side. It's getting that visibility into the base container image as a binary. Uh, That's separate from your traditional uh, code analysis tools like Veracode and those other folks. They were looking at code. This is looking at the binary in its final form as as a container image. And so Claire was really, really good, but it had limitations. It still does in that you needed to open it up to other vulnerability databases so you could get breadth. 
you needed to build uh, better reporting and workflow and other things around it so that you could integrate it into the DevOps process and make it easy to integrate results into some of the other DevOps tools. So then you saw, you know, then you saw the commercial products come out. Um, you saw Twistlock first, really, uh, Aqua Security, uh, what Layered Insight did with its static analysis product, even the flaw check acquisition and Tenable. Those were kind of the first set of static analysis tools out there to give you that visibility. That That's always been kind of the first step into the process. But longer term, it's all about the runtime. And that's where things are going to get really interesting. So if you want to start playing with this technology, uh, Docker Community Edition, right? And Claire, which is the open source uh, security product. So uh, check that out. Matt, thank you very much. That will conclude this episode of Hack Naked News. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.